This is Lesson Jack on Writing Uncensored, Episode 5, Outlining. It's funny, I was, I have like, I have like a hundred CDs and a hundred albums, like 50 cassettes, uh-huh. and a lot of them, you know, stuff I bought from the time I was like 12 to the time I was like sure. 30, and maybe 20 since then, but because at this point, yeah. Uh, so for the last 25 years writing screenplays and plays and uh, fiction I use jazz and classical as background music because I didn't want to have the dialogue yeah. of the songs yeah so I started interfering playing. with your story right yeah I hear you that's what I play mostly jazz instrumentals right, right. yeah so my taste in jazz and classical has become much more refined. Yeah. Right? So now when I put on things that I loved, like Toad the Wet Sprocket, which is this band, I have like three of their CDs. Mm. It's like really shallow to me. Really? Yeah. It's not as fulfilling. Yeah. As it used to be. I hear you. Because it's, it's like this surface music. It's yeah. N- it doesn't have... This should be part of our thing. What thing? What you're saying now, all that stuff. Oh, it's being recorded. Okay. Can you throw it around a different place in the thing? Why should I? Well, I don't know. We okay. can start, like, right now. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, I can trim it up. I do trim things up a little bit. Okay. Um, Wait, let me make one point before sure. we go into this subject matter, which is, what's the title? This podcast, um, just on uh, outlining, outlining Out- yeah. your definition of outlining, the less <laughs> the one that counts, <laughs> the one that works, the less Edgerton method. It's not my method. I took it from somebody whose name I can't remember. Oh really? Oh yeah. It was in a writing book. I, I have thousands of writing books. Well, not thousands, but I have hundreds of. Well, that's a that's a good quiz for the podcast listener. Please submit your. Yeah. If you know where this sure. is, I can write that in the description. It was a good book, and I remember that. But I just, and when I did that, created the stuff on it, I did it from memory. I couldn't remember who it was. Outlining. Who's the source? Somebody will probably. Yeah, sure. Well, it has to be older than 21. Oh, before we get into outlining. Yeah. This observation I made about um, so the letters for whatever reason the letters for I have this list of the greatest war movies of all time Uh and the one that I hadn't seen is the letters from Iwo Jima which is Clint Eastwood movie. Usually still in Spielberg, whatever. Yeah. It was a big. War when it movie. came out, people yeah. was like, "Yeah, sure. that's a really great movie." Yeah. But I never saw it. So, 
just to see I like to see the especially the beginning how how movies begin you know how they hook you yeah the way it used to be a big panoramic and it narrows down and right all that shit yeah that's the old way yeah but this is Clint Eastwood who's yeah. like a master director right yeah. so like I started watching it and it, right away of course I'm getting hooked by the way he begins yeah. it right yeah. but it's a movie right and I'm sitting down clicking it on and ready to be sit there and watch it, right? Right. And the you know I can see because that like the training, what he's doing mm -hmm. as he's doing it. Sure. Right. So, but it's like, like you say about the uh, what'd you say, Marshall McLuhan? Yeah. About the active when you're reading, the message is the me the medium is the message. You're actively engaged yeah. in in the reading. You're a participant. Mm -hmm. You're. If it's cool media. Whereas the yeah, it's cool and hot media. So it's right. cool media where I'm just watching it. I'm not really even though it's great and I was being and I always get the two mixed up anymore, because I think I get them mixed wrong backwards oh okay uh, I think I used to think cool media was where only one sense is involved uh -huh. it, yeah it is I think okay because you have to bring something of yourself to it then. right the cool media would be a newspaper a radio uh -huh. hot media would be more than one sense like a movie okay books are cool I may have those totally backwards but it, anyway but there's a, I, I'm, the way it's paced, it's really methodical. It's really um, mm -hmm. kind of slow paced. It's engaging because of things, the things that are happening. Right. Like there's these guys in modern day garb digging in, they're on Iwo Jima in like yeah. this cave and they're digging sure. remains of the battle of Japanese yeah. soldiers. And, yeah. And then it cuts to guys digging. Uh, trenches in the sands of Iwo Jima and uh -huh. these two guys complaining about it. Sure. And it's like there's nothing in, there's no inciting incident. Uh-huh. It's just flowing. It's yeah, it's just flowing into this and telling the story. Right? It's not it doesn't need to because as the viewer you're expecting you're sitting there passive you don't have to engage. You don't, you don't have to imagine That's it. That's a hot media, then. Things are done for you. Right. It's telling you, it's showing you. It's it's more than one sense. So, and it is. Movies are always more than one sense. It's the visual and the hearing. The 30-foot screen. The enormity of well, it. Well, I'm watching it on a computer screen. Well, yeah, but that's what it's designed for. Yeah, and it's designed, and like I darken the room. If I can, I darken the room. Because it, it, um, you would become immersed, but you you don't have to participate. You don't have to imagine. It's laid out for you, especially somebody like Clint Eastwood, who's like you know he's hiring like the best set director. You know he's looking through the lens and saying, "We need this thing placed over here." Mm -hmm. There's like a whole communication in the visual realm. Okay. But it's, so there's it's, it was just interesting because it's really good. I could tell it's really engaging and it's 
brought me into this this thing that's happening and I can see all the setup you know it's totally setting nicely setting up you know these guys are probably gonna die a horrible death or whatever mm-hmm. you know I'm showing the layout of the beats and I know from the history of it of that battle how about the beats and the significance of Mount yeah the mountain and sure. whatever so all those visual cues are, are being placed, you know, nicely, just like little kind of little visual cues that so that people don't who haven't read about the volcanic island where nothing grew. It's di- and through dialogue and through pictures, mm-hmm. you're getting that information. Sure. Whereas in the book. Say it's like the book about that. It's missing the the who is the protagonist because there's two. There's like the general and there's like the private. They're like two kind of. So far, it seems they're both on equal footing. Mm-hmm. But so, but they can do they can do that. Yeah, you can in a movie. Because right. the audience doesn't have to do anything. They don't have to bring anything to it. And they don't, expect to, they don't expect to bring anything mm-hmm. to it. They're not going to put the book down and fall asleep. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's a, like an observation. Yeah. I hear you. But you got to do more work in a novel. Like if you were writing that movie, it would be boring. If it was, if if it was that done was, that way. Yeah. yeah. But you you can there's a lot forgiven with the thirty foot screen, right. beautiful actors, makeup, dialogue, all that shit, action going on, physical action, yeah, makes a difference. They actually get lazy in movie making. That's the difference between like a great movie and a mm-hmm. not so great movie. I believe you. Like the die, I tell you my Die Hard theory. Die Hard. This is a big hit movie, right? And then they made it. It spawned a whole bunch, right. bunch of other movies that had the same kind of action. Yeah. But what sets Die Hard apart is not the action. It's that right from the get-go, it's a guy trying to get back with his wife. Yeah. It's that's in the it's first story. Scene. That's the story. That's the first scene. He's he wants he loves his wife. He wants to try to get he wants to get back with her. Mm-hmm. And he's kept from it. He's kept from her. That's his problem. Huh? Right. Yeah. And then he doesn't even. It's he's not just going against bad guys. The bad guys he's going against. He, Bruce Willis kills the brother of the leader of the bad guys early on. And he gets a walkie-talkie. He's talking to them, mm-hmm. but it's that personal thing. Of, it's not just he's fighting bad guys. Yeah. He's he killed the bad guy's brother. So it's this other personal kind of personalization mm-hmm. of the action. And then there's the buddy outside. That's kind of another thing. That's not oh as the important. black guy. Yeah, the cop black outside. Cop, yeah, that's not as important to the core of the story. The core of the story being this very personal. Thing that people can relate to on some level, mm-hmm. on like a, a personal level, trying to get back with your girlfriend, whatever. Sure. 
You know, so when you mm -hmm. make a movie and it's just like a guy going against bad guys and there's a lot of explosions, it's not going to work as well. That's what Mary calls chasing fighting movies. Right. She hates them. <laughs> I mean, they're fun, but yeah, they don't become big hits. It's all it's all production value on the screen. Right, and that doesn't. I mean, it'll be. I guess if they promote it right, it'll be okay. But anyway, remember when, when in our first one we talked about uh, character descriptions and stuff. Not really. Well, remember I said I don't describe my characters and all that. Oh yeah. Yeah, I just came upon a mammet quote uh, from his book, Writing in Restaurants. Uh -huh. And he says, uh, when we are told that a handsome prince went into a wood, we realize that we are that handsome prince. As soon as the prince is characterized, a handsome blonde prince with a twinkle in his eye oh, and just the hint of a mustache on his upper lip, and if we lack that color, hair, twinkle, and so on, we say, what an interesting prince. Of course, he is unlike anyone I know, and we begin to listen to the story as a critic rather than as a participant. That's That's awesome. the whole difference. Right, that's great. Yeah. See, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So that's, I didn't know why I did I just, my instincts just told me, don't describe people. Right, right. People have furnished their own. I have that book. Do you? Yeah. I do too, right over here. You sure you don't have mine? <laughs> anyway that's full of, that book is full of great stuff yeah it is that's when he went uh, conservative I mean, too uh, I drove him I met him did you well, I, yeah. I, I've been a he, he's been a hero of mine forever oh, he's too intimidating even when he was an idiot and a liberal I know where he where he hangs out in Santa Monica and, oh a friend told me he's like if you want to meet him just go to this coffee shop he's there yeah. all the time writing I don't know Hanging out, drinking coffee. Probably, yeah. Uh -huh. He lives like right around the block, or he has a house. I mean, I don't know where he lives full time. He's not in Chicago anymore. No, I don't know. I mean, he's he lived in Chicago for a long time. He's from Chicago, right? Yeah, and then he lived in New York for a while because he was doing plays and shit. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even know he was on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, he, he yeah. might have a house in all three places. Probably does, yeah. It's like my friend Tom, Tom Rao in Scottsdale. Uh -huh. He's got, he lived in Cave Creek, very ritzy. Cave Creek is a gated community that has something like 16 golf courses. In Indiana? No, Arizona. Oh, okay. 16 golf courses in one community in Arizona means that's serious freaking money. Right. Just the water costs a fortune. Right. But anyway, he had a neighbor across the street from him. He says, I've never seen her. And they had lived there at the time five years. He said, she, I think she shows up once a year or something, but I never, for a couple of days. He, he says, she's got homes all over the world. But he was he was in high cotton, and he still is. Right. But I, it's hard to imagine people like that, isn't it? If you're not one of them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't... I guess they're not losing anything because the house is appreciating, so it's an investment, so... But... I mean, if you were at the billion dollars, having a million dollar house is no big deal. Well, this is a four million dollar house, but still, and that was even then, fifteen years ago. I mean, I think, twenty years ago. I mean, I had, I had the dream of having. You don't think about this much anymore, but. Of what having, do you book is? 
What? What are your book hits? Then you can pick the dream back up. <laughs> it's funny, I don't think much about all that stuff anymore. I mean, I think it, I, I'm f so focused on making money. Yeah. Getting a job. And it's, but I, I made a discovery when we were driving somewhere, me and you. Uh-huh. It's like one of those things. I remember where exactly we were in the car in the Coliseum. And I was oh. like, I've always, I've like tried like every kind of thing, get rich scheme mm -hmm. technique since like yeah. forever, 30 years now. But I've always done what I wanted to do in my life. Yeah. I've always done what I wanted to do. Sure. And then I realized the irony of that is that I wanted to make a millions of dollars so I could do what I want to do. <laughs> but you were already doing what you but want. But I already I didn't need yeah. to make a million dollars. That is a good, great insight. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was like, oh my God. Fuck, that's funny. That's funny as shit. Yep. It's like chasing my fucking tail. <laughs> and you had it in your mouth all along. <laughs> okay, so you want to get to the meat of this outlining? Okay. Okay. I may cut that part out. What part? I your mean, dream? Yeah, leave it in. Yeah. Uh, Why not? And I, I realized doing the uh, edit on the podcast 2, part 3, um, listening to it, we talked about we didn't just talk about um, uh, protagonists and antagonists, but we mm -hmm. talked about rattlesnakes yeah. and Thelma and Louise yeah. and on the waterfront and yeah. some putting that stuff in the description. That's what we described there right up to the podcast. Talk about a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. So what the hell? So what the hell? And I put it in the description. So it's going to be a neat description like when we get on YouTube Cool. and wherever else. Yeah. So you you're going to go with YouTube and not the other ones in? No, I'll do we'll do everyone. Do we'll do them all? Yeah, that's what. And then we'll have um, <clears throat> the idea is to mm -hmm. eventually have live stuff. Yeah, where you can answer questions on Facebook. Yeah, cool. Whatever, wherever. Cool. Anyway, to the meat of it. Yeah. What about outlining? Oh, we did the mammoth quote. That's a great quote. Yeah. Outlining the story. It explains it perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. If it's just a prince, automatically you're the prince. Right. You give me a bit of a description and you're a critic now, you're not Right. You're not in the story anymore. Right. Just not. It's where I've never I don't I've never described Corky. Because I was a, I was just now I think more about my nephew in terms of physicality. Do you? Don't put he, it in. Because he's twelve. Don't put it in. I think let the reader figure it out. No, yeah, I think about me and what 12, yeah. 13 year olds do. Yeah. The way I came to outlining was just in self defense because I was spending, like probably you and everybody else, spending all this time on stories I didn't outline. And then they'd peter out, the novel would peter out around page 60 to 80. And I'd be done. I couldn't go any further. Right. So I'd lay it aside and then I'd get another great idea. I was doing, you know, the smell of the rain in the road at dawn kind of shit. I was doing a poster the for the movie. The smell of the rain, uh, the rain on the road at dawn, the Blake Snyder thing. 
know. Well, people talk about they've got a they've got an idea for a story. Right. Usually, they got the movie poster. They've got a scene in their mind, like the smell of the rain on the road at dawn. Right. That's what he calls it. Okay. And it's not a story. Wait, who's Blake Snyder? He wrote all the cat mo- uh, books. The cat books. Yeah. Uh, the uh, got them around here somewhere. The things that the cat the musical is based on. The what? Cats? No, cat. Uh, it's he's a movie writer. He writes movie or he's dead now. He's room temperature now, but he wrote uh, movies. And screenplays. American screenwriter. Yeah. And Blake Snyder. And there are a whole series of books that are real big. Uh, just down on Blake Snyder. Oh, Kill the Cat. Yeah, the cat books. That was his thing. I, I read all these online blogs and shit and advice, you know, to writers. And there seem to be these two schools that battle it out. The pantsers, right by the seat of their pants, and the plotters. Wants to plot a story, out. right? Well, as I think you know from being in a class, the kind of outline I I have you guys do is totally different than that Roman numeral page after page thing. Right, right. It's five statements, fifteen to twenty words. That's right. it. But it it's, gives you a guideline. See, I wouldn't. I I always thought I was a, a pantser because I I was so smart. I just went, figured out a story and went by the seat of my pants. They never worked out. And I found out later through hard experience, Hemingway said he was never a, a, a plotter. He, like it lowered his manhood or something to plot something out. It took away his creativity or something. That was his bullshit idea about it. Right. What he did was he was a he was an outliner, except his outlines are 100,000 words long. Right. And instead of an outline, he called them draft one, uh-huh. draft two, draft 18. Uh-huh. That's all they were, is huge, long outlines right. that had changed. Well, to me, it's, that, that seemed like a lot of bother and, and trouble for you know, very little reward right. for all the work you put into it. But when I came to, and I wish I could think of the name of the guy whose book I read, he showed me this very simple way of, of plotting. And it was the four, 15 to 20 word outline, five statements. Uh, the inciting incident inc- incident is the first one. The next three are the uh, the culminations. Sorry, folks. Uh, anyway, it's it's five statements. The first one yeah. is the inciting incident. Statement number one that kicks off the entire book. It has to. That's because that's what stories are all about today. Is trouble, right. and it shows when the trouble began, which is where story contemporary stories need to start. Is when the trouble began. Right. Not the backstory, not before, nothing like that. Right. Just when the story begins. And the next three statements are the major major moves in the book. And all novels have three major moves. I mean, they don't necessarily plan to be that way, but they almost always end up that way. They can have d- dozens of other smaller moves, but there's always three major turns in a novel. And uh, then the last one is the... Uh, the, the resolution, how it's resolved, and that's it. But if you've got that, you've got a you've got a roadmap. And as a teacher in a class, it helps me so much because I can tell r- immediately if the person's on the right track. If they draw an inciting incident in the outline, but they don't start out with that, I know right now they're not on the right track. They right. can't be. Right. 
Because that's the only place it should start is when the trouble starts. Right. And that only starts with the inciting incident. Right. So it saves me a lot of time. It saves them a lot of time, too. Okay, so right. it just made sense to me. The problem is, and what I didn't realize for the longest time, was that write, the writing of a novel involves the processing of, and integration of large blocks of material, trivial bits of information. And as the length of my stories grew, so did the complexity. All of a sudden, I was on page 13, and I suddenly remembered I couldn't have my character chase the bad guy because on page 2, I'd given him bronchial asthma. Uh, shit like that. Right. So you can't. So it just saves an awful lot of time. I had to go back and cure the guy before I could let him chase the guy. What I didn't realize was something pretty obvious. A story like life, it, it, like the life it represents, is complex. Stories aren't built like a line of dominoes. It more resembles a web. And when you tug a bit harder on one of the, it, its many strands, the whole business vibrates and changes shape. Not only did I have to remember the many details and their connections, I had to keep them in a logical order. It's virtually impossible without an outline. Right. You're just rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. Right. And then you finally give up because you run out of clever ideas. Right. Basically. And that's, I, I've noticed that people write short stories, they usually peter out around page six to eight. Uh-huh. And when they're writing a novel, they usually peter up between 60 and 80. Huh. Almost always, it's a, it's like a formula. You can count on it. They don't have an outline of some kind. Okay, um, and I managed to write a couple of books like that. And looking back, I don't know how I did it, but I did. But I spent an awful lot. Of, I wasted an awful lot of time, and had sloppier books than I have now. I I, I used to have boxes of unfinished stories, and I bet you have too. Mm-hmm. And screenplays or whatever. Yeah, because you simply didn't play it. Screenplays and plays. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you didn't plan it. But if you'd had a 15-word word outline, I bet you would have finished a lot more of those. Right. Because you would have thought it through. Right. But I did. I never liked those outlines like Mrs. Gundy had the Roman numeral things, of, you know, page after page of Roman numerals and points and minor points and all this shit. If you do an outline like that, you've already written a story, but you haven't, and it's boring at that point. Right. But when you give yourself a broad outline, then you're still excited about it, I think. Right. Don't don't you? Yeah. And you can start spotting mistakes a lot quicker. Yeah. Like you have, obviously. Yeah. It's funny, I think about the, the first thing I was working on about the two plumbers, and I had the attitude <clears throat> that um, this guy, his part, his plumbing, the guy he works for has a heart attack, and that's like a big deal. Because he's in the hospital, he's about to die. Uh-huh. But you kept saying, "So what? He's going to lose a job. So what? Yeah. So what? It's not worthwhile. Because it's not changing his life in exactly. a really dramatic fashion. Exactly. It's not, I mean, it's changing his life in a way. But you were trying to get me to now. How is it changing his world? Yes. Yes. Which I wasn't getting. I mean, it's dramatic, but it's not. How is it's it? not. It's actually it's melodramatic, not dramatic. What do you mean by that? Melodramatic is, it's over the top drama. Oh, it's okay. shootings and kidnappings and fights and all that bullshit. Right. That's not drama. That's melodrama. Because it's so over the top. Yeah. It's like out of the, out of the world. It's like exactly. you're going out of the world. With the exactly. Person. It has to be part of the. Per- yeah. A lot of times world. you'll say the word drama, and I know you don't mean that. You actually mean melodrama. Okay. 
But I mean, it's funny because even the in the podcast I was listening to, we yeah. touched on this, and I was trying to get you to give examples because you're saying, "Oh, you got to have something happen, 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 happen." Yeah. You know, really hammer him. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, what do you mean? It's not like an action script." And you're like, yeah, it is. "It's action all the time." And I was, but I was thinking, I was you thinking, were thinking melodrum. lay term of action. For one thing, thinking what you were. You're using the layman's term for action right. instead of the literary term for action. Right. Just very different. Right. And that's the problem with our writing language. We adopt lay terms, but we don't we do we don't show the meaning, the real meaning in literary terms. Right. But I mean, the, the thing is that in the plumber's life, it's like in Corky's life, uh -huh. it's this is an integral part of his life is yeah. his bedwetting yeah. and his privacy of it. Sure. And then what turns it over is it becomes so public all at once in front of so many people, and it's hammered. It's not just one mention. It's like a mention, and then a mention, and then it's like in public a mention, yeah, exactly. and he's bringing attention it's to it. It's idealized. And he's like tripping over himself in front of everybody, yep. and everybody's laughing, already laughing, and laughing more, and laughing more, and, and it laughing. It took about six, seven weeks to get to that point, right? And now it's taken off. It's yeah. Off. Well, I'm understanding more of this. Yeah. And so in the plumber thing, it's like, what was I just thinking? It's like, so this is all integral part of Corky's world. Yeah. It's not just the bedwetting. Yeah. It's the whole, his whole life. It's his whole personality, at, everything. At eighth grade. Yeah. Eight, eight years of Holy and Mary. The important part of his life in his mind anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he's never, his unpleasantness for eight years. Yeah. His his parents, his family, not paying attention to him, not paying attention to, his, to not being aware of his yeah. his hating his life, and this is like it be all being exposed, but not totally. Yeah, it's not totally exposed. It can't be until he goes through the struggle. It's interesting because I'm uh, tying this together right now. Yeah, it's not. It's part of his life. And is not totally exposed, but he's getting frustrated. And, and he's, enough he, of it is exposed that he can't let this go ever until he resolves it. Right. And he doesn't, but he doesn't, it's weird because he's not, he doesn't even know what he's trying to resolve. Right. He thinks he knows. Yeah. I mean, surface-wise, he knows. Yeah, that's surface there's problem. surface stuff. <laughs> but there's a story-worthy problem under this. Very close to the same thing. Right. It's just, it's just deeper, more, more profound Right. Whatever, whatever. Right. More universal. Then nobody can find out except for him. Exactly. And he has to own. go through all this shit on his own. Right. To figure this out. Right. Exactly. That's the story. So in the plumber thing, it's just like, all right, this guy's working for as a plumber, and the, his partner, his boss, gets his heart attack. So what? Yeah. How is that? Like. Yeah, it's surface. It would have to be... In real life, it's sad and everything, and a story has to be much bigger right. than that. In reality, it's sad and a dra it's drama, but it's not... Unless, unless like, if that's all there is in a story, it's melodrama then. There would have to be a deeper, long... There's maybe something behind, the, in that life of well, that the guy. realization... Which is what the inciting incident does. That drives into the realization that this is more than just a bad 
the day at the office this is more than just a bad scene this is prof- this is really big in my life right in the guys in the protagonist's yeah. life yep it can't be just he's su- he's suddenly in a bad situation yeah the bad situation has to be significant yes that's why I said a while back literature has to be bigger than real life has to be better than real life right it just does right it has to be more logical right because real life is just not logical it's just not right it never will be it's random it's sporadic it's all kinds of silly shit happens to change things right but in a novel things have to be they have to be they have to make sense right they, right. And they have to be bad, bad, bad. Right. But and that's where the drama comes from. Yeah. And it's not melodrama at that point. It's drama. It's like the mistake that Die Hard people trying to remake Die Hard make where they think the drama is from the explosion. The melodrama is not. And it's not. It's from this core guy trying to get back yeah. with his wife. See, I think it's a bunch of people with a lot of money that they, they were lucky in making and with movies probably and didn't really understand movies. And so they said, oh yeah, what sold this movie was the helicopters and the yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't it. That's part of it, but that's right. not it. The it was right. getting to his wife. Right. Right. But they never understood that. They just thought, let's throw more Be- because they're because Bigger they, explosions. Because a big part of movie making of Hollywood is marketing. So you can market the shit out of something and make some money from it. Well, too, in movies, the way I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, they they get the financing for the movies before they ever shoot a day of principal photography because they sell foreign rights. And there's only three things that'll that'll translate to other nationalities right. and languages. Right. It's helicopter, explosion, sex, and more helicopter Yeah, that's explosions. one way of financing a film. Yeah. Yeah, it's a and, big isn't way. Isn't that the ba- basic way, the biggest way? Yeah, that's the yeah. biggest. I mean, there's the Scorsese story about uh, his first big, kind of big movie. His kind of hit was um, Raging Bull. Or? No, way before that, with Robert De Niro, um, Mean Streets. Oh, Mean Streets. Yeah. You ever see it? Yeah. So the story goes that he was looking for financing, and there was somebody who, I guess, it had to do with foreign rights or. Some uh-huh. European guy who was going to give him the money to make it. He said, but you got to have some tits in there. Yeah. And in the movie, uh, the ca- a character sleeps with the woman. She stands up, gets out of bed, and she's naked from the waist up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have any part of the story. It's n- there's nothing significant about that in but terms of the story. But she just made $20 million investment on that scene. Right, So, but that got the movie made. Yeah. Which gives us a little faith in Western civilization. But so that surviving. feeds that feeds the production of crap movies. Yeah, exactly. Or shallow movies. Yeah. Because they can do it. They can make money from it. Why not do it? But yeah. If that's all you're about is making money, good for you. I don't think that's your dream. It's sure in my No, dream. that's why I'm not in Hollywood. Yeah. Part, part of the reason. The other part is getting chased out on a rail and tarred and feathered, but we won't go into that. (laughs) The dark side. Now, the three actions that in the outline are not the the beginning or development of an action. They're the the result of a major action. 
Okay. Okay. Wait, uh, say that again? They're not the beginning and development of an, a major action. They're the result of the major action that the character, that the protagonist took. Oh, To resolve okay. the problem. Okay. That's what they, 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 uh, they grasp. I, I, I've used uh, one of my own stories. It was a short story, a novel, and a screenplay, and I used the same outline in all of you know, vastly different lengths, and that's uh, the, the, uh, Genuine imitation plastic kidnapping. The the uh, the first and it's the same exact outline in all three forms. Okay. Even though one's like eighteen pages, another one's like uh, what was that three hundred some pages, and another one was a hundred pages. Uh huh. Okay, same outline in all of them. And it and it works. The first one was debt and dangerous Pete. That's when he gets in trouble with the mafia. He's got he, that's a serious problem. I mean, it's a surface problem, but it's bigger than it because it's threatening his life, everything. Uh-huh. So it's, it is a surface problem, but it's bigger right. than just a surface problem. Uh, and then the next three things are Tommy, his, part, his stupid partner, cons him into a kidnapping. And then they, the third or second action that fails is Pete and Tommy botch a kidnapping. And the third and last action is Pete escapes. Okay. And, and there's dozens, if not hundreds, of actions in there. Right. But th- those are the three major actions that turn the plot. Okay. And then the, the resolution, the third and final step, Act 3, Pete pays for a mistake. That I need to f- work on because I only had one result from that. Okay. And there should be a, there should be a win, there should be a loss, and that's easy to fix. This is an outline that came up very early in this process. Okay. Okay. But anyway, that's not a, that's not a hard thing to fix at all. It's funny, there's a correlation to, like, the, uh, Sid Field three-act structure. Yeah, it is three-act structure. Where the, those three steps are, like, the, insert the thing that spins the act into the next act. Right. Right. And I buy three act to five act. I think that's just the standard. That's just the way we process story. We want to see beginning, middle, and end. Right. And when people get depart from that, I don't think it works very well. Well, I mean, in the that three act structure, there's there's the the end of the first, end of the second, and end of the third. How many? And it's like there's also. The inciting incident. Yeah. The beginning of the story. That's another thing. Yeah. And then there's the last ten pages, which is... How, how does it go? It's... Um, and you see it in the movies all the fucking time. The climax. Or... The, with like ten, ten minutes from the end, all hope is lost. Yeah. And then it comes up and you get to the destination. And if it's done right, you don't have any John Wayne cavalry rescues. The John Wayne what? Cavalry rescues. Where at the last possible minute when all is lost, John Wayne rides up with the cavalry and saves the day. Well, the, that's the, the Hollywood ending. Yeah, that's bad endings. They don't even do that anymore in Hollywood, do they? No, I don't think so. Not too much. It's too simple. Yeah, it's too idiotic. I mean, I don't watch the, the kind of the Marvel. Yeah, well. People are really into that stuff. I don't know. They probably are. But that's not real storytelling. That's twelve-year-olds writing for twelve-year-olds. In my opinion, my yeah. Opinion. I mean, it's 
it's it, it's how many explosions, how many helicopters, and how many guys swinging from a rope you can get. Well, it's pumping up people's emotions and people going on the surface it. level, not yeah. really deep. Yeah, it's. it's I was talking to somebody about music and how. Uh, what the hell were it? Some piece of like pop music and yeah. how it really gets them excited. And it's like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to do. It's like, get their heart pumping. One of my teachers was a musician, classical musician. Mm -hmm. And she related all her writing exercises and everything to music. And she said, it's like, it's like every, any musician that's got talent understands that you can play the Beaches song and get tears from girls at weddings. Right. She said, that's cheap sentimentality. It's not earned or anything. It's bullshit. It's not true emotion. Right. But she says if you play a Brahms piece or a Beethoven so well, so superior and well, that will elicit true emotion because it's it's a quality piece played with quality. Right. And that earned it. It like takes you to another place. Yes. A higher place. Right. Yeah. And it's earned. It's not right. just it's not just some shit that gets a couple of surface tears. That's like there's a famous article that Pat Metheny wrote about uh -huh. Kenny G. Okay, God, Kenny G. I'm throwing up my mouth right he now. He was frustrated that people were calling it jazz. Or what? He, people called it jazz. Pat Metheny. Jazz? No way. Yeah. Not real people didn't. Pat Metheny kind of railed into him and how it's not. It's like cheap. It's cheap. Yeah. Sure. Sentimental, sentimentalized crap. Cheap musical tricks that he yeah. just throws in there. Yeah. Exactly. Is but anyway, that, that's the way it, she taught writing to me when she taught it. Right. It made sense. Right. What did she say? She said, they're, they're... In terms of the writing? How it's yeah, she said, you could do the same thing in writing. Okay. You could, you could yeah. come up with some cheap-ass shit. Right. It's like the example I give a lot of times when people, they're showing melodrama in their stories. And I said, the difference is, let's say you've got a woman that's got a... A year and a half old child, it's an apple of her eye, it's her whole life. And they're out walking down the street one day, and a child breaks away from her, runs into this bus, and gets squashed. The bad writer, the sentimentality, sentimental writer, and all that shit, has the woman brush out, prostrate herself over the dead body, scream at God, and all this shit, and bawl and shit. Right. She said the really good writer simply has her slump to her knees and give the thousand yard stare the lion does. Or the the uh, gazelle does when the lion cuts the, the baby cheetah or the baby gazelle out and kills it. Right. That's true emotion. That's earned. Right. Less is more. Right. But that's the same thing in music. Actually, I thought you remind me of. Uh, I went to see this guy Robert Fripp. You know who that is? Robert who? Robert Fripp. How do you spell it? F R I P P. Yeah. Names for me, but I can't. He's a guitarist for uh, oh. King Crimson and. And uh, he's just a really great guitarist, yeah. you know. Yeah, like a Serdovia or... More rock and uh -huh. uh, this progressive rock sure. kind of guitarist. Yeah, but, but he's, he's really good. It. Yeah, and I went to see him at House of Blues in L.A. It was just him. Frippertronics uh -huh. is like, a th he's really into... It's like Dylan, you know, Dylan sat on a stool by himself, didn't look the eye, just played. Just played his shit. Uh, have you ever seen him? Bob Dylan? Yeah. In person? 
I saw him a long time ago in 1978 when he had like a big band. And oh, really? Yeah. That must have been it. Well, yeah, but when he started, uh-huh. he would just take a stool out on the stage and sit there and play, not even look at the eyes, just play all his music. Really? It was really good. Well, Fripp is like into like technique and learn, sure. discovering. Yeah. He's like a real guitar, play, guitar player, also. guitar player. Yeah. You know, he's like kind of geeky. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But the one thing I remember him because t- he played and then he talked about stuff. Sure. And he said, sometimes the hardest thing to play is nothing. Yeah. You know what Miles Davis said? What? He said the best music isn't the notes you play; it's the notes you don't play. Right. That's like the similar thing. Yeah. It's like the notes you leave out. Are bad the musicians are just trying to fill space. Yeah. yeah. When space is actually part of the music. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the same thing with describing in writing, in fiction Mm -hmm. writing, is that same kind of thing, describing the character. Yeah. Writers try to do too much because they're not sure what they're doing. And they they overcompensate. They put too much shit in. Right. And it should be less. Right. So. It's tricky. Yeah, it is. It takes a while to trust that you got a good enough story that it can stand on its own legs without embellishments. Right. Without... You you can kind of tell the beginning writer because they do way too much. Right. Um, oh, okay. Back to the outline I did on kidnapping. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it, first of all, it doesn't look like Mrs. Gundy's Roman numeral outline at all. It's five statements... 15 to 20. And that, the only words you count are verbs and nouns. You don't count the articles like the and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Just count the, the active, the human nouns and verbs. Take Let's take the, the one of these. The first one, Tommy cons Pete into a kidnapping. This is after he's in debt and he's going to get killed. Um, that action took about four pages. Tommy comes in a bar where Pete's hustling pool draws him away from the huckleberry he's hustling to another bar where he lays out the scam to kidnap the head of the Cajun Mafia and amputate his hand and hold that for ransom. That is how I got to the outline of the, out, uh, to the outcome of the, the outline point. Um, that was the whole point of this story. I used to sell life insurance uh-huh. and there's a saying in life insurance among life insurance salesmen that uh, uh, saying it, I can't remember what it is, about the uh, the million dollars on the kitchen table. Uh-huh. Money's not real until the million dollars is on the kitchen table. Uh-huh. And that's why in kidnappings, in real life, somebody kidnaps a wife or a kid, especially a wife, uh-huh. they're, gonna, they're not, and they tell them don't call the FBI, they don't until they get the money out and they dump it on the kitchen table and it becomes real and that's when they call the FBI. <laughs> In real life, I'm dead serious uh-huh. because they suddenly realize what a million dollars is, and now they want their wife back, but they really do not want to lose that million dollars. Right. So that's when they call. I'm dead serious. That's human nature, and that's exactly what happens in kidnappings. Yeah. But I thought, if if you if you weren't, they kidnapped the head of the Cajun mafia. There's a bunch of mafias. There's an Italian mafia. And there's a Cajun mafia. There's a Chinese mafia. There's all kinds of mafias going right. on in New Orleans. Anyway, instead of kidnapping him, they amputate his hand and turn him loose. 
and tell him he's got like 12 hours to get the money to him or the toss of the hand. It just set itself up for comedy, real life, and everything. What's they, the significance of his hand? It's his hand. It's the thing he he whips his jaws around with, he picks his nose with. It's personal. It's worth a million dollars to him to get that hand back. Where his wife, yeah, he hopes he gets her back. He's but he's gonna, not going to ever... But he's not going to call the FBI to get his hand back because he's not going to take any chances with that. Okay? But he won't be able to use it again. Yeah, he is. You have... I researched this. You've got about 12 hours where a surgeon can reattach it and it'll be fine. Really? Do they say that? Yeah. Oh. oh, oh. And what they, But what they do is... There are a couple of doofuses, especially Tommy. Uh-huh. You haven't read the book, have you? No. You have to read it. I read the beginning. He, uh, he takes the hand... It's a big, long scene. It's my favorite scene I've ever written where they amputate it and they both throw up and shit and neither one can do They finally get around to doing it, getting it off. They got the guy in the chloroform. He comes to, they have to hit him again. Things get spilled. It's just a circus. Anyway, they finally get the hand off and then they they had a soldering and Tommy brought to cauterize it with. It dropped on the floor when shit was going wrong and caught the rug on fire and all I can smell is cats and shit like that and fire trucks are coming down the street so they grab the hand throw it in a baggie and book out the back door and go they go to Tommy's girlfriend Wanda's house and she's a piece of work oh wait okay I gotta read this yeah you do it's it's a brilliant movie don't tell me anything no anyway make a point what what happened was he he gave it to Wanda to put in the freezer and she threw it behind the veal cutlass but didn't burp it and so when they finally do give it back and they do after a lot of shit goes down he can't reattach it because it's spoiled. <laughs> I love writing this thing. Didn't burp it? Yeah, he didn't burp it in a Ziploc bag. You gotta burp that shit or it'll spoil. Oh, get the air out. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Wanda was, she's kind of a stupid ass housewife. She wasn't smart enough to burp it. So, there, everything can go wrong and this thing goes wrong. Basically, what this kind of outline does for me and for the writer is it forces you to think through your story. Right. Then you don't end up with the uh, smell of the rain on the road at dawn. Right. A t-shirt you take on Letterman when after you made the movie, sold the movie. That's your t-shirt. That's all that is. Right. That's not a. That's not a story. It's nothing. Right. It's a vision you got. Yeah. That and ten cents will get you. Not even need coffee anymore. Well, it's like I just you know when I t- would tell people, yeah, I'm writing screenplays. I'm a screenwriter. I got a great story. Yeah. And it's like they got the vision of the. They got the, the smell story. of the rain on the road at dawn. Yeah, I say okay. Well, your story in your head is not a no, movie. No, it's not a story. It's not even a story. <laughs> no. It's a you vision. Gotta write it out. You got this melancholy vision of a right. drifter going down the road, or something big that happened in yeah. your life. You got a Jack Reacher novel in mind. Everybody has a big deal that happened yeah. in their life. But that's that when in class you've been there enough. You've seen new people come in, and that's all they got when they start. They don't realize that. But when you have to write an outline, you're kind of forced to come up with a story. Then are you? Right. You better think it through. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, the people in the class now. I don't know how they started. Like they all started exactly like you did. Mary, Rebecca, and Cheryl. Ma- Mary's brilliant. Yeah. Rebecca, yeah, Cheryl, all their stories are great. None of them started out that way. I promise you. It's funny with Ken, his story, I think he's he's the one that started out with the Chester, the molester, the uncle. 
Yeah, I think. I barely remember. I made the mistake of thinking it was like from his real Maybe it is from his real life. Yeah, but. a lot of people do take from their real their own lives. I mean, who knows? Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, he's he'll be back next week. Good. I think. If he's... He's the guy in Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Ken, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Um, and... A question. A good question is, what if you see a better story or a way for the character to get point A to point B that's different than your outline? Just draw up a new outline, and you're off to the races. Right. All you got to do. I think you've already done that, haven't you? A couple of times. Yeah. And you still got a roadmap to Alaska. You can still get there. And actually, I'm thinking about that statement that you said before about how those three, the function of those three steps in the middle. Or the end result. It's what the character's already done to change things in a major way. And there's always three points in them. There can be dozens, even hundreds of small actions, but there's always three major ones. So it's like, I'm thinking now... <clears throat> the See, that's what I was saying. When he fights the guy, right. was, that's way too soon. Right, but the, the fight, it's not just, there's two fights. There's the fight at the pipeline, and then there's the... When the guy thinks he's killed him. But the way I'm filling out the auditorium scene, it's pushing that back naturally. And I think I'm going to push it back more. I'm not, I don't, I don't think, I mean, maybe I could think of something else that happens and, or uh -huh. something else happens between like the ice cream parlor and the walk to the pipeline and the pipeline. It's starting to push it back naturally because. As I'm going through, I'm adding those internal thoughts, his awareness. The only thing it. is, to be careful, when I'm listening, this is my thought, mm -hmm. is that you don't want to have things happen to him. Right. They right. have to happen as a result of his actions. Right, that's what I mean. It, otherwise, you got an episodic story and there's no more. Right, no, and I'm actually thinking about that a lot. Like in the last Good. edits, like he... I had him, instead of him just joining his family and then decided to go with his friends, yeah. and Jerome coming over, inviting him to go to his friends, I have him come out of the auditorium, see his family, see his friends, and then Make initially he says, I'm going to go with my family, but then he decides, no, I'm going to go with my friends. He's going to beard the lion. Beard the lion? Yeah, that's what you go when you confront something major. He's going to confront his, his, uh, the thing that made him embarrassed. Yeah, that's, I have to, maybe I have to bring that up a little bit. But he, I didn't think about that. Everything's got to be geared toward resolving his problem. That's got to be on his mind 24-7, well, no exception. When he steps out of the order, of the lobby, mm -hmm. he's beyond that moment. He says, he calls himself a chicken. He says, I'm such a chicken. That's where he's developing... That's one of his, that's his surface solution. Is that's not a solution. That's, he just no, gave a definition to it. What? That's not a solution, though. That's just a definition of who he is now. He's realizing who he is. Right. But that's not a, that's not a definition. Yeah, not, no, not, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. def he's defining in his mind what his problem is. Okay. That's his surface idea of, of, Except, just be careful, because he should already, as a result of that inciting incident, 
That should already be full-blown in his mind, pretty much. He's got a very serious problem, one that he can't let go for five seconds until he resolves it. Right, so from that, he's he's making a decision yeah. initially to go with his parents. I forget how I lay it out, but yeah. But I, I eliminated, whatever, just like for choreography, I eliminated the sister and the younger one to make it more simple. Yeah. But he's but I eliminated Jerome coming over because of the idea that he's making the decisions now. Yeah. He's pushing to to go with his parents and then he's not getting any satisfaction there and he's going he chooses to go just make that clear it's his decision. Right. Show him go through that process of right. changing his mind. Yeah, and that's what's filling it out is right. I have that extra layer that I I can work with which yeah. I didn't know. I that's that's okay. I'm, I'm still kind of. That's what, what it's all about, man. Is going through the stages of assimilating all this stuff, right? And then using it. You are one of the fastest learners I've ever worked with. You really are. I I really think this book is going to be a really good book. Well, it's it, I mean it's going back to the reason why. I looked you up, and I said, I, you know, when I knew you were here, and I, that became part of the whole move to Fort Wayne. Is like, oh, I can be in this workshop. I could tell you could. The thing that I'm, I knew the thing that I was missing, from you know, I dabbled in. I started like I could write a book, and yeah. and, but like just like when I got into playwriting. No, when I when I when I took filmmaking at Binghamton, it was this kind of non-narrative filmmaking mm -hmm. where I didn't learn screenwriting, and I wanted this to is more documentaries that kind of thing. No, no, non-narrative meaning like a painting. So most paintings are about the 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 frame and what's in the frame, how things are placed in the frame, the color of things in the frame. That's, it's not telling a story beginning, beginning, yeah. middle, and end. Yeah. It's giving you an experience. It's giving you the smell of the rain and the road at dawn, which is legitimate in a painting. Right. Because it evokes an emotion. Yeah. And that's all it does. You're communicating, like this quote I saw in a student, fellow student uh, yearbook. She went to the high school, of art, the big performing arts high sure. school. And I was hanging out in the dorm room, and she had in her... In Hollywood or in New York? In Binghamton. Oh, okay. And in her in her yearbook from graduating there, somebody wrote in it... Um, somebody wrote... Um, you broke it, you bought it. <laughs> they wrote... Um, Art isn't masturbation, it's the communication of feelings. That guy reads too much. No, but it's yeah, great. Yeah, it is. Because it's like when people say, yeah, I'm a writer, and they're writing in their room their poetry, and they're not giving it to anybody, yeah. or they're playing bass. I remember hearing about this guy who was a great bass player. He played in his room. He never played to an audience. No. Or it's with like, a group. What's the point of that? Yeah. But, so... The point of that is your dreams don't get dashed. You still have hope that you you have some talent. <laughs> Whether you do or not, you don't know. Right. Some people don't want to face that. But but so the 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 
filmmaking that I studied was more about the experience of whatever. It's all about yeah. time. It's 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 an interesting type of filmmaking because you're not just having the frame and the things in the frame. It's the added thing of time, how things move in the frame, yeah. in the audio of the, of the visual. And it's more about the experience. You're not trying to tell a story, beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. It's more about the experience, yeah. right? It's an it's non-narrative. Whereas Hollywood films and plays and books are narrative, where it's beginning, middle, and end. Right. So it's a different type of filmmaking. Yeah. But so I wanted to, but I wanted to make Hollywood films. I wanted to be a filmmaker because I went to movies and I wanted to make movies. Sure. So when I was done there, I knew the piece that I was missing was how to write a screenplay. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to LA, one of my goals was to go to UCLA Extension, which I found out about, and study screenwriting, that mm -hmm. missing piece. Who'd you study under? I don't remember. I don't remember. I can probably look it up. But coming to Fort Wayne, it was like, I want to learn. I, I've wanted to write, know how to write a book for a long time. And like, there's right. two areas, like, what does, and, and through my screenwriting and playwriting learning, I learned that there's like rules of the market. There's rules of like, like if you write a 200 page, you can write a 200 page screenplay if you want. Sure. Nobody's going to fucking read it. Well, unless you're a big name or something. And they're Maybe. looking for an Academy Award. It's that Maybe. Kind of script. Like if you're Martin Scorsese with yeah, multiple that's awards. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And, you know, but even he said, I saw him in a, at, at NYU at an event speaking. And he said, yeah, for every, even him, for every, like, three hits he has, he can do something he, he wants to do. Uh-huh. Even him. He's got. He's got to be a. He's got to make money for the studio. Right. Yeah. Even he has to play by the market rules. Yeah. In plays, you have to write. If it's a one-minute play contest, wow. or no, they have a five-minute or ten-minute play contest, right? Yeah. It better be ten pages, not eleven, not nine. <laughs> I mean, maybe nine, but not twenty, not fifteen. It's a 10-minute play contest, right? You know, I I used to recommend a lot of people to my alma mater, uh, Vermont. Uh -huh. And uh, they're they're always in top one, two, or three in the country when they name the best schools. Uh -huh. They're always in the top three. For creative writing. Yeah. yeah. And they're, if they're the top three, then we're in trouble. Okay. But they're all, it's all about literary writing. But uh, the advice I'd give people, I'd say when they'd want to apply... And I said, oh, "Well, if you follow what I tell you to do this one little thing, it will make all the difference in the world." Because they want a, I, I forget the length of the project they want to read, because they all want to read something they created. It's either twenty or thirty pages. I said, "Do not ever give them twenty pages. Do not ever give them thirty pages. Give them if it's the requirement is twenty pages. I said, give them sixteen or seventeen pages. Why? It'll get you t fifty points over everybody else." I've judged that shit. Uh -huh. The last thing you and people cheat on their their you know margins. They cheat on everything. Slightly smaller type. They do all that shit. Like we can't spot that shit. Uh -huh. I'm done with them right away. Uh -huh. They're too desperate. Wow. No, I'm done with them. That's and so funny. is anybody that does that. Right. And uh, I said, give them less. 
Right. Always give them less. They will bless you. You will move to the top of their list, and you, I don't care. There can be things in there ten times better. You'll get picked over them. Right. It's just people don't. They don't use their minds, their heads on anything. Well, I'm convinced. Fu- it's funny because I I read. I told you about. I was a reader, uh-huh. intern for Dino De Laurentiis, and I was given. I had to do a critique and a synopsis and a yeah. one-page. For good what, 50 bucks, is that what they paid? Dinner? For nothing. For nothing. I was doing it for the experience, yeah. I was working for Dino De Laurentiis. Come on. I know, but people work for Warner Brothers and shit, the same thing, and they get 50 bucks a script. Yeah, no, no but I never did it before. Oh. I was never a script reader before. Oh, okay. And so, and I put, did a lot of work. That's why I stopped after 20, because I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I got the experience. But... Out of 20, and this is like scripts that got there by managers and yeah. agents. Already went through. So they're vetted. Yeah, they're already vetted. Out of 20 scripts, two were any good. But I believe it. What I learned really quick was if there's like grammatical, if there's gram- grammar mistakes or misspellings. All the scripts I've read are all like that. On the first page? Yeah. It's going to be a fucking bear to read. Yeah. It's going to be crap, because but they haven't fucking they haven't fucking. Learned. I know, but I've read a lot of scripts uh-huh. too, and they're full. They're the worst writers in the world as far as grammar and shit. Right. Screenwriters are right. horrible. Capitalization, all that shit. Cause Forget it, it. They didn't. They're not writers. Well, you know shit. They're just people that think, oh, if I just like buy a screenwriting program and write my great movie. I wish you'd read the one I gave you. <laughs> That was the semifinals in the Nichols, man. That's 8,000 of the best writers. The Incredible Plastic Floating Hand. <laughs> yeah, that's a good title. I like it. Bukowski. Uh, Factotum. Yeah. The Screenplay. <laughs> in All My Free Time. <laughs> Read faster. <laughs> but so that... that my point was coming to Fort Wayne and that missing like I started things that I thought I could make novels out of but I didn't know number one the more simple thing that I didn't knew I wasn't really good at was how to put dialogue in where do you where do you put dialogue and how does that work and then learning I'm still learning now you know the breaking up the of the paragraphs like when I mean, yeah. Mary, I think it's Mary. There's some Mary who new speaker, it. new paragraph. That's basic, right? New speaker, new paragraph. Yeah. That's simple, right? But then there's when there's, there's exceptions, but when there's like dialogue between two people, sometimes yeah. you have to clarify. Where do you say he said? Not as much as you think. But here and there, where there's like two once people. Once in a while, yeah. Right, once yeah, in a while. But you can give other kind of clues. Right, which I was trying... But, but I was what you don't want to do is tag every damn line with some good bit of action. That's horrible. Right, I was trying to do that, and I was becoming unwieldy. Yeah, it's horrible. So I was like, oh, fuck. I was trying to avoid... He Keep said, the exchanges brief before you insert some, but... You get to a place where, yeah, you need to put some he, yeah, he said or she right. said in. Right, I'm getting the ba- I'm just, I'm just getting it's the It's more a matter of feel, and right. the more you do it, the better you get at it. Right, and I'm working through that. And the context, too. Right. 
if you got a male and female, it makes it easier because you can use male and female references. Right, right. Yeah, I'm learning. It's different than playwriting because yeah. screenwriting because you you just say well, the person's yeah, name. Yeah, you got a tag up there. <laughs> you got taglines. So. You don't need to say yeah. or drop hints or whatever. But but there was the other One thing. One thing I noticed too, and other people picked up on it because I saw that I, I read their too. Sometimes you you go from past tense to present. You did a you did a wood right. a wood or something. Right, 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 yeah. right. And right. You, I, he will. No, that's right. present tense. I'm getting yeah. That's yeah. another thing I'm learning. And past tense is the present tense of fiction. Right, right. Present tense is not the present tense of fiction. And the thing is, I read your book, uh, Hooked. Yeah. And so I knew that I would get that from your works out. I thought that book was amazing. Thank you. Well, I knew, you know, you write, you, you read these books on writing and you can i'm sure you can pick up a book and write see like in the first page where they're most of them are stealing from other writers they just reward it a little bit different it's like uh harry cruz gets plagiarized all the time that bit that elmer leonard and i admire the hell out of elmer leonard uh -huh. and he didn't just he didn't misrepresent himself he just forgot to mention it he's i think he did actually mention in his book that these are things he's picked up over the years and mm -hmm. he didn't attribute to the right film. He probably couldn't remember. Right. But one of the big ones that Harry Cruz is, the, the guy that said this first, he said, one of his secrets is, he says, I try to leave out the parts people skip. Right. And Elmer Leonard's got in his book. And it wasn't Elmer Leonard, it was, it was Harry Cruz. Harry Cruz, yeah. Right. But, uh, but yeah, so then I knew, and I, and I looked you up, and I said, oh my God, he's like gotten stuff published recently. Not like 30 years ago. So you know the marketplace, right? You know the rules of the marketplace. Some of them. Most of them. You know, what... what there's so much shit going on, nobody can know them all. And right. I, there's so much... And things change now with Vanity Press, which they don't call Vanity Press anymore. They call it independent. They're right. Vanity Press. That's all they are. Right. They're bullshit. It's not publishing, it's typing. <laughs> it's printing. Anyway... Um, you don't know who's related to who, who owes who a favor. Right. I, I just found out something, my book deal, that I would have been a multi-millionaire if Random House would have gone ahead. I was going to come out number one and all that shit. Mm. When you do that, you got a movie, and this would have been a good movie. Really good movie. It would have made a lot of money. But uh, my new agent told me, I related a story to her, and she says, oh, there was a guy at St. Martin's who told my agent at the time when that deal fell through, and they'd already paid me twelve five on it. Uh, he said, if Edgerton ever has anything at Random House that won't send it to me, and I asked him, he said, I can't send it to him now. And I said, why? And he said, I just can't. And I asked my new agent. She said, oh, there's some shit going on you don't know about. He couldn't have. She never did tell me what it was, but there was something the insiders knew that I didn't know. Well, it's funny because that happens in the movies all the time where actors will not work with other actors and it's really personal. Well, this wasn't what, what happened was Bertelsmann bought Random House. And people, I mean, not just and actors, they sh they but people... They shit can a whole bunch of novels. Yeah, that happens in filmmaking too. Yeah. I mean, the big picture's about... One of my favorite movies on movie making. The big oh, picture really? with yeah. Kevin Bacon yeah. from the late 80s. 
Have you seen it? I don't think oh, so. Oh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. It's all about that bullshit. Well, I got a whole list of people I'm going to kill when I get enough money to travel. Are you done with the outline thing? Yeah, I guess. Probably. You want to do some more on it? Uh, Why don't you read your outline? I don't have this my outline. In your notebook, isn't it? No. No? Okay. Well, I've got it on one of your things here, but... Do you want to it's look at I'm it? I'm definitely going to look... I'm definitely going to do it... Look and take a look at it again, like, tonight. I can pull it up if you want. Yeah, why not? Okay. I was going to question Mary's outline, but now that I'm more... Uh, she's going to change her story. Uh-huh. And she wants to use that thing and t- try and tell her, no, don't do that. You're, you don't want to let go of the other entirely. She wants to do the horse story now. Mm-hmm. But she still wants to keep their beginning in there and working around it. I try and tell her it won't work. But she's got to, she'll, she'll learn. Sometimes people fall in love with shit. They work so hard for it, they don't want to give it up. Yeah, I know. I got over that very early. Yeah. I have to go to the site. That's why I sit, the oh, way I save things, no, I, I don't. just save versions. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, at the end of the main document I'm working on, there's like big chunks of writing uh-huh. that I just put down there because I thought it was good. Yeah. But it's not part of the story anymore. Um. That's how I learned how to get over that. I save it. Yeah. Then it's never lost. And then I never look at it again. What are we on? We're on, uh, there you go, the list. Corky shamed in public, yeah. Development, Corky escapes to a new group of friends. Corky tries to prove himself but fails. Corky accepts his worthlessness. Resolution, Cork finds true worth that loses all his new friends. That's a pretty good basic outline. Yeah, but see, I wasn't thinking of the end, like the three parts yeah. in the middle, the end of a result see, of something. I, that, that thing I did on outlining, all that stuff came from like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. And I, I get the, I get it mixed up now in my mind. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm probably misleading people. I went back to the, the, the original paper I did. Like so, like, let me see. When so, Corky escapes to a new group of friends. So that's not really the end of. That's like a, 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 a see. It's like what was it? Sequels. Uh, yeah, scenes, just one. It's like a sequel. It's not a scene. Yeah. It's not the end of a scene. Right. Well, it didn't. It, well, yeah, it does have to be the end of a scene, but the end of an action. Uh, Corky accepts his worthlessness. That's kind of meaningless. It doesn't say anything. That's mumbo. Well, that's the. Uh, commit suicide. Tries to commit suicide. That's where that. That's where I cut it down from. Okay, that was a definite action, but this is accepts his worthlessness. That doesn't say anything. Yeah, that's his internal. That's what. But it l- doesn't say anything. It's better to put down. Corky tries to commit suicide. Period. That'd be good. That'd be better. It's more precise. But I'm, I felt like, I think I felt like I'm leaving out what's the motivation. See, after a while, if you, if I sent you on the, if I see you're on the right track, I, I don't go any, I don't right. want to keep beating you up over it. No, it's for me. Yeah. Just to clarify what, yeah. but now that I know that's the end of the sequence, it's like the, the end is him trying to commit suicide. It's the end of a major action. 
right. of the three major actions that are in every novel. Right. It's what happened. He fails at committing suicide. Good. He should fail on all of them except the last one. And see, Cork finds true worth or loses all his new friends. Well, that doesn't mean anything. He either finds his true worth. What does that mean? Need a bona fide, definite action. See, shamed in public, that's a definite action. Right. Okay. Escapes to a new group of friends, that's kind of vague. And tries to prove himself but fails, that says absolutely nothing. Right. And accepts his worthlessness. See, those are all words that are they're too vague. They're not precise, and they don't they don't give us a precise action. They're kind of the underneath of what happens. Yeah, but we want the, not the underneath. We want to know what happened. Right. It failed. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be a great idea if you could rewrite that. Yeah. No, I. Will. I just won't keep. Once I get a good inciting incident, the rest looks pretty good. I say so yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Because otherwise, we'd be here forever. I didn't understand the end. The end. I mean, it makes much more sense to me, and because I know about the Sid Fields, you know, the end of the act. How do you know it's the end of the act? You know it's the end of the act because a big thing happens yeah. that changes the world. Yeah. That's what these three things are. And spins it into the beginning of the next act. And I guarantee in every good novel, I should always preface that, not every novel, every good novel, there's always three main actions that fail. Right. Always. There... Oh, there, there's probably at least dozens and dozens of other smaller action. Oh, it's so much more useful now. I can see why it's so useful. What? The outline. Yeah. Because it's like... See, if I didn't have an outline, I'd have people going for 80 pages for And it might look like a story, but it's not. If I don't see that on your outline, I know, I know immediately. They don't have a story. Right. They just don't. Why, buy, why waste their time and my time? Yeah. But and it leaves the room for the creativity. Yeah. I was like, I was in the nineties when I was like screenwriting, and then you know learned screenwriting uh -huh. at UCLA, and then I was learning playwriting at Moving Arts, and um, when I got into playwriting, so <laughs> I felt like at UCLA, so I was learning the Sidfield three act structure. And I had this story that I wrote because I told you about this guy who told me, just write 20 minutes a day. This guy that had a, had an option deal at Fox. I oh, met him yeah. on a set. And he's like, just oh, write. Oh, he had an option? He hadn't done a movie yet? Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. That's not much for credit, is it? An option? No, it means they've, they've optioned the script. But they haven't made anything. No, they optioned the script to, you know, it's like optioning a house. You might buy it. And you might probably won't. <laughs> no, well, you put you pay somebody for options. Yeah. Oh, okay. You lay money down. So it's bonafide. Yeah. Unless they just bought it for a dollar. Well, they would. They they. If it's Fox, they pay people for their options. I'm kidding. Oh. But the hell. They. Uh, it's not the Fourth of July. I hate this. I hate the Fourth of July. Oh, so for like the. Three, two, or I guess two or three years I was at. Uh, so I wrote this story, Jimmy Binder. Uh huh. It was just a narrative. Oh, there was rumors around the halls about that. It was just a narrative. It was just a story. I was just uh -huh. writing this happened, that happened yeah. about this guy. And then I brought that to the screenwriting class, and I was making a screenplay following all the rules 
these highly structured roles. And then after I took all these classes and then I started learning playwriting, the playwriting workshops, I didn't use it. It was like playwriting, it, it was freeing. Yeah. Because anything, because anything can happen on a stage. Yeah. I mean, it's weird because it's like, because the audience of a play, if you put like, f like paper, red paper mache in front of a light being blown by a fan, people will accept that could be fire. If the character says, oh, let's get warmed by the fire, and that's like uh -huh. the fire on the stage, it's acceptable, right? So you okay. can kind of do almost anything in yeah. a play, right? And I didn't, I just started with a theme. And uh -huh. because I told you about John Paul Sartre and No Exit and how I like the idea of three very different people being stuck in a room together. Yeah. And how do they deal with that? And that ties into my reason that I came up why it was a, not wasting my time to be a playwright was because if somebody could come to the theater and leave the theater thinking, my life ain't so bad, that's a great, you're making the world better, right? Okay, sure. So... And so I would just start out with the theme and a setting, like a workplace room or a apartment or a th whatever, where very different people were in that place together, uh -huh. and how they dealt with each other in these situations. Okay, that was it. I didn't work from an outline. Yeah, I was just like, what happens next, and what yeah. happens next, considering these so characters. It's episodic, right? And the protagonist wasn't necessarily in charge of his life. No. Or his actions or anything. No, it wasn't about him. It was just scenes would happen. Right. Just Interesting things. scenes. Right. Right. I don't S think I'd work in a play either, would it? If that's all you had. People enjoyed them. Did they pay money for them? That's uh, a couple of times. The short Jack, plays. Jack, it's me. <laughs> the short plays. Yeah. The two, let me see, the one in New York. What was so the they would pay twenty nine ninety five for the short ones. No, they, I, I never had a big production. That's why I'm here. <laughs> don't be modest, man. You have no. No, I don't know. It, but but then I'm just busting your chops. I felt like I felt like learn bringing Jimmy the Jimmy Binder story and forcing it into this structure. Ruined the story, right? And so I was like really against... I'm not going to say right. I was really against outlines, right? Sure. And then... But you're thinking of Mrs. Gundy, Roman numeral right. one. Right, right. He did this, he did that. Right. He looks like this. Right. He go. He takes the shit over here. Right. Yeah. Okay. But screenwriting rules. Yeah. Act one, inciting incident, 30 pages... It's 90-page script. First 30 pages is the first act. Second act is 60 pages. Third act is 30 pages. Forcing it into that yeah. structure. And there are some hit movies out, really good movies. I don't follow that. Right. So then I learned in the way like TV writers write fast is they use in outlines. 12-minute sections. Is they use outlines. They outline everything. And then somebody made the, or I read it, or somebody made the point to me that, because I was like, you're not, because a lot of the writing, the, like the good stuff that I got was like, in, I was in the zone, right? Okay, yeah. And it flowed, and it like just came from, I didn't think, 
oh, this would be a good thing if I did that, right? Okay, yeah. But in the, you could still have an outline and be flexible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's okay to do 20 steps, right? Sure. Yeah. But this is even better because it, it retains the essence of the story you have the initial like spine of the story or the yeah the big parts of the story those big steps yeah but this the way, way the way you get there you don't have so it leaves, leaves the freedom but i mean another side to, another thing that i'm learning that you keep talking about i listened to in the last podcast i was editing um is that i'm the god of the story <laughs> That's right, you are. It's You created the world. You can make the characters do anything you want to. Every third one can fly. It doesn't matter. It's your... You create... If it makes sense... They're all it, made up. Wait, and if it makes sense in the world. Yeah. If it's logical. Well, you can... If, you want to, if you're good enough, you can make anything logical. That's why we have sci-fi and it works. Right. Because it's not something that's ever been done. Like Corky can sprout wings and yeah, start flying. That could be funny. <laughs> that could yeah, be funny. Now he, that I think about it. He didn't have much humor. Now maybe you should have him do that. That was Lesson Jack on Writing Uncensored, Episode 5 Outlining. <laughs>